Jackson 6 always. That's, that's for the culture. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome to another edition of the Bucks and Six podcast. I'm DJ DeHoya, and we're here on issue seven. I know, going by super fast. Anyways, if you guys have been following for the past few weeks, you'll know that we're in a bit of a little mini-series here. This is They Got Next, volume five. We're looking at the Pacific Division today. However, before we get into all the juicy goss, or not even really goss, but just before we look over the teams in this division, you guys already know how we're going to start it out. We got the take of the day. So this issue's take of the day is Sacramento shits the bed, misses the playoffs, and the De'Aaron Fox era in Sacramento is in jeopardy. To make matters worse, Swipa gets his first all-star selection. Now, when I mean matters worse, I mean that for the Sacramento Kings because obviously nobody really wants to lose an all-star. Unless, actually not really if you're Philly because, man, that's just a whole new, a whole another situation in itself. But De'Aaron Fox is a guy that I love very much. I remember the very first year I did fantasy with my friends, I picked him and very nice, I gotta say, but... He's very much just a guy that's in a bit of a shitty situation, you know, very much like Bradley Beal and how he got snubbed for an all-star selection like a couple years ago, despite him putting up major buckets. De'Aaron Fox definitely should have been an all-star last year. However, I clearly see why, just based on the fact that the Sacramento Kings sucked. But, you know, De'Aaron Fox, I think, is just going to build off of that year and definitely put any narrative that he's asked to sleep but I don't even really think that's a thing. De'Aaron Fox, the era there is, it's very much a make or break season. Just like how, honestly, I think if the Bucks didn't win the championship this year, I think Giannis still would have stayed. I mean, obviously he did because he signed the max midseason. But yeah, De'Aaron Fox, I think, could be the next superstar to switch teams. We were all saying Ben Simmons, but now that's kind of like, again, that's very up in the air at this point. Regardless, this is one that I kind of don't want to give a guarantee. However, it is a take of the day. So... You guys know what that means. I have to give this take a guarantee. So switching over from the take of the day, let's not necessarily get right into it. However, let's give a nice little overview of what's going to happen. So if you haven't listened to any of the other They Got Next issues, I very much encourage you to look back. It's been very fun to look at all these teams, especially with uh, all their new additions, you know, all their new toys, paws. But yeah, with the Pacific division we're going to be looking at the lakers warriors suns the clippers and just like i mentioned earlier the sacramento kings we're going to look at who's their core who are the players that are really like when you think of the team this is them you know De'Aaron fox for the sacramento kings curry for the warriors lebron for the lakers etc we're going to be looking at the projected starting lineup this is something new i know that we're like pretty much at the end of it but yeah this is all just again since the podcast is just an ever-growing thing this will just be something that will add on to the next time around next year when we're looking at this again. But yeah, we're going to look at their starting five, or at least what I project their starting five to be. From there, we're going to look at a player that's going to pop off. You know, who's that guy that's going to take that next step? Not necessarily be an all-star, however, as cool as that would be, I'm mainly thinking about who's the guy that's really just going to going to pop off, you know, who's the guy that's going to, you know, really wow everybody and not necessarily prove why he is that good, but just prove that he's better than a lot of people assumed him to be. After that, we're going to look at the complete opposite of that. We're going to look at the guys who are going to slump, the guys who might have had a good track record in the past. However, this year I think could be where they take a slight dip or completely go over the, go over the, what's the word? Shit. Completely go over the cliff. Now, I don't wish that on any player. However, I think just with how rapid the NBA is and how fast and how much you know, switching in terms of 
who's good and who's considered bad or whatever. All that good or bad stuff. Yeah, we're going to look at the guys who are potentially going to slump. The guys who just could be another fork in the road. Another roadblock these guys might potentially be able to overcome. After that, we're going to look at these guys who could potentially be traded. These guys who, whether you could put them in a better situation or they're just behind a bunch of other guys. Well, I mean, that has to do with situation too, but regardless... The guy that could potentially be traded, whether it's to another contending team or a building team, remains to be seen. And finally, we're just going to give a brief little overview and a little overall thoughts on the team heading into the season. Being that, we are literally less than a week away. Now, I don't want to keep you guys any longer. However, before we get into the Lakers, we're going to take a quick little intermission. I'll see you guys in a few. Right now, here we are in Los Angeles. A lot of people's favorite team to bandwagon on. I'm not hating, but we got the Lake Show here. Now, their core as it stands right now, uh, I'd only really consider it to be, honestly, LeBron, AD, and Russ. Just based on the fact that I think with any roster with LeBron, it's very much uh, we can switch guys in and out just based off the fact of how amazing LeBron is. But obviously this year, they're like the senior citizen Lakers. However, their core as it is right now, again, I would consider to be LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and their newly required, not required, acquired LA boy, hometown kid, Russell Westbrook. If I were to project their starting five, obviously you got Russell Westbrook at the one. Two, I got Malik Monk winning that battle in the training camp. At the three, obviously you got LeBron. At the four, I think they'll run Carmelo Anthony. And at the five, obviously it's been talked about a lot. AD. AD's going to be playing a lot of five this year, I think. Now, let's switch over to the people I think are going to pop off. I say people because I got two here. As you see from the projected starting five, I got Malik Monk projected to start there, which is why I think he's going to pop off. When you think about it, he's probably one of the biggest steals from free agency. He's playing on vet min, and he's coming off a career year. That same year where he shot that super arousing pause, but that super nice to look at 40% from the three-point line. I think he's going to be the beneficiary from two of the best passes in the entire league. Very much play like a Clay Thompson type role. You know, 3 and D at his purest form. Literally just catch and shoot and go back and play defense. Now, other play I'm picking to pop off. I realize this dude like literally just got injured. I think he's going to be out for the first month of the season or so, but we got THT, the guy who think is like literally everyone's talking about this guy's next, this guy's next. Now from watching preseason, obviously I'm going to overreact here. I think this could potentially be the season, you know, he's poised to make that jump that everybody's saying he's going to make. Being that he primarily plays the three, which I don't necessarily like because he's only 6'4". Regardless, I think he'll be a primary option off the bench. You know, other guys off the bench are pretty much their facilitators and rim protectors. You know, you got AD, not AD, you got DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, as well as uh, Rajon Rondo. However, now that I'm looking at it, at the five, they might probably play like either DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard. But... I'm still going to stick with AD at the 5, because this is their projected starting 5, in my eyes. Alright, player I'm picking to slump. The greatest man to ever pick up a basketball to get a triple-doubles. Particularly only triple-doubles. Russell Westbrook. I don't think he's going to average a triple-double this season. If not, I think it'll be very much like uh, 
like 15, 10, and 10, I don't think he'll average too many points just based on the fact that there's a lot of rock to go around. And with Russell Westbrook, he's primarily there to, I think, uh, facilitate, take a bit of the ball out of LeBron's hands as well as allow LeBron to get more buckets potentially. But primarily what I see with Russell Westbrook is he's really just going to slump stat-wise. I think the weaknesses won't be too apparent with all the other guys on the floor. However, that's a little bit uh, sounding like bullshit now that I think about it just based on how their recent preseason games are gone but I think they'll figure it out but he's also playing third string for the first time in his career if we look at his career path think about it Thunder he was the second option slash was still primarily handling the ball Houston second option and then uh, Washington the second option so I think with Russell Westbrook here this will definitely be his most challenging season in the sense that again he's used to being one of the main guys and now he's really just like a third option at this point. However with uh, how everybody's projecting things you know Vegas, NBA GMs, if they get the ring who gives a fuck. Now the player I'm picking to potentially get traded is Kendrick Nunn. I believe he signed before Rajon Rondo did, so obviously he probably signed with the intention that he'd be the primary backup one. But when you have one of the best passes in his generation, shit, I'm not going to sit that man on the bench. I think Rajon Rondo is definitely ahead of him on their depth chart. The only reason Kendrick Nunn would want to be traded is just because there's no significant playtime for him. However, he might suck it up for the potential ring, and I say potential because we already know who's going to win, man. Shit. This is a Bucks and Six podcast, man. Bucks and Six always. But no, for real. I think if the Lakers were to trade anyone, it'd be Kendrick Nunn. However, I do think they're one of the teams that really just think, you know, we're ready to go. We're ready to... We could play in the finals right now, and I think we'd be okay. And if everybody's healthy, I do think that they're very much one of the two or three teams that I think really have the best chance at winning the chip this year. Now, that also leads into this overall, like, overview of the Lakers and obviously this is very much a championship or bust year you have a lot of these guys who are at the tail end of their careers and I'm never honestly I keep saying I'm never gonna shame but I've like I've obviously poked fun at a lot of guys throughout this podcast so far in a short lifespan but all right back on the topic this is very much a championship or bust year all these guys are very much in the last few years of their career if not for some of them maybe in the last year who knows what this team might lack in speed will definitely this is definitely the highest IQ team, I'd say, because all of these guys is literally like, if you combine all their all-stars or whatever, it's like a crazy number. I think it was what, like 90% of the 2013 all-stars are on this team. Some of you are like that. But either way, the Lakers are definitely one of the most dangerous teams in the West. Actually, not even just the West, the entire league. The only thing that is truly going to stop them is health. Now, Staying in California, however, we're going to head down a bit more. I think it's down more shit. I haven't been to California in a while, but we're heading to Golden State. See you guys in a bit. All right, so heading from the very sunny, the very loud, the very, uh, for lack of a better word, obnoxious LA. Now we're heading down to the Bay. So we got the Golden State Warriors as it stands right now. I think their core is uh, the chef, Steph Curry. Clay Thompson. So excited to watch him play basketball this year. Draymond Green. And I'm going to throw Jordan Poole in there as well. Now, their projected starting five. I also left out Andrew Wiggins. Uh, if, you, if you're paying attention, you'll know why. But the starting five this year, I have Steph Curry. At the two, I have them either running Iggy or Jordan Poole, just because if you don't know already, Clay Thompson is not going to be back till around Christmas. 
But man, good things come to those who wait. Am I right? Nah, jokes aside, at the three, got the Canadian sensation Maple Jordan, Andrew Wiggins. At the four, a dude who I don't understand why some people don't think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, Draymond Green. And at the five, they're going to run Kayvon Looney, just because again, James Wisen, injured right now. The pop-off person or people that I pick, I think if you're paying attention to preseason basketball, pretty obvious. Number one, Michael Jordan Poole. Nah, <laughs> damn, I, <laughs> I should delete that, but no, fuck it. I'm gonna keep that. Jordan Poole, he's been hooping in the preseason. No fear in this man. I think the thing that made it for me was if you guys remember in the play-in game, this dude literally almost baptized LeBron, but you know, he couldn't finish off the dunk. I think he had one in the preseason against the Lakers this year though, where he did dunk on LeBron. I could be wrong, but yeah, Jordan Poole, whew. He's building off of a career year. Uh, I think if he does, if they do end up starting him, honestly, I have no idea how like the six man of the year thing works if you're allowed to start at all. But if he does play the six man for most of the year, shoot man, he's my favorite to win that award. However, Jordan Poole, that dude, you guys, if you haven't been watching preseason, honestly, I get it. Nobody really likes preseason. I personally do because if you think about it, the preseason is really just a really heavily publicized, you know, public run. Not obviously like super public because these are still guys that are fighting for roster spots, but this is where guys are really like trying to show out, you know. It might be their last chance or their first chance to get on an NBA roster. And yeah, that's why I really love preseason still. However, I understand the the reason to not love it just because it's not necessarily meaningful basketball in the grand scheme of winning a championship. However, yeah, preseason has been fun to watch. And this is just a really long way of saying Jordan Poole is a fucking hooper. Second guy I'm picking to pop off. I got Otto Porter Jr. I think he's going to be very much like a clay roll, catch and shoot, and play D. I'm just praying for a healthy season for the man. I think uh, if he shows even shades of how good he's been in the past, could possibly play his way into another big payday next free agency. Not as big as the one he got, but nice payday nonetheless. And I think with Otto Porter Jr., he gives the Warriors a lot more length and size. And if they were to run small, I think he'd be the ideal four where you obviously have Draymond running five, but... When it comes to Otto Porter Jr., I just think he's in the perfect situation to succeed. He's somebody that, you know, could argue comes from goat genes, aka Will Chamberlain's long-lost son. But either way, Otto Porter Jr., I think much like Malik Monk, was one of the biggest steals of free agency. Now, this one's going to be a little weird, but to slump, I got Klay Thompson. He's coming off of two years of no basketball. I think he'll still be solid. I think it's just a matter of getting back into rhythm. In my opinion, I think he's going to average 15 points at most. However, come playoff time, I think that is definitely when he will lock in. And that's when we'll begin to have, uh, we'll begin to see shades of the old clay. Now, the players I'm picking for potential trade, Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman. Uh, if the Warriors were to make a big move, Wiggins is that main piece in there. Obviously, James Wiseman is thrown in there as well, just to sweeten the pot a little bit. Now, with those two, I would trade for a super solid center. Because without that, Warriors could be in a Phoenix Sun situation if it goes sideways, no depth of that position. Just because if we look at James Wiseman, he's coming off of his first year and he already suffered like a major injury. Not saying like, boo, immediately trade him. However, Andrew Wiggins is obviously someone I don't necessarily see long term on that team. So I think James Wiseman is just a player that will be able to sweeten that pot and bring in a nice, nice player. When it comes to the Golden State Warriors, Overall, 
Shit, man. I'm not saying they're a lock. However, I think it'd be completely stupid to not consider them contenders. Because, I mean, you got the best point guard in the league right now coming off of a year removed from a major injury. So I think any slight growing pains, if there really even were any from last season, I would consider to be completely gone. You know, Draymond Green. People forget that this dude got a fucking all-star selection when he didn't even average 10 points. I think that speaks to how much of an impact he really has on both ends of the court, being their primary facilitator as well as the defensive anchor. And with Klay Thompson coming back, shit man, how can you not cheer for the Warriors? I get that they've really run basketball for the last few years, potentially been a reason why people think basketball dying but I don't think it is. The Golden State Warriors are poised for a really good season and I could definitely see them. In my opinion, perfect world, we got a Lakers and Golden State Warriors conference finals and in the finals we got Golden State and Milwaukee but Milwaukee wins in six. Now <laughs> that's just my bias speaking. Coming from the nice sunny California, we're staying in the sun however we're heading to uh, the desert. We got Phoenix up next. So here we are in the hot as fuck desert of Arizona. We got the Phoenix Suns. As it stands right now, their core would be Devin Booker, CP3, DeAndre Aiden, Mikal Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and I throw Jay Crowder in there as well. Their projected starting five, I believe, will just be the same as last season. CP3 at the one, DB, Mikal, Jay Crowder, and DeAndre Aiden, who, in my opinion, I get why he wants the bag, but I don't think he necessarily deserves the bag. I think they should pay him either way because it's better than losing him. Now, player I'm picking to pop off, I got Landry Shamet here. He's been a solid rotation player throughout his career, gives Phoenix a really solid score off the bench. I think him, Cam Johnson, and Cameron Payne, that's going to be a really nasty trio off the bench. Landry Shamit is a guy that's played in the playoffs for pretty much, I believe, every year in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Because think about it. He's played on Philly and then on Brooklyn when they had Kate. Yeah, because he went to the bubble, I think. Aside from that, yeah, I think Landry Shamit is a guy that hasn't necessarily had a, a good chance to make a solid impact. And I think with this new opportunity in Phoenix, shit, this might be his time to shine. Literally. Now, player I'm picking a slump, I got Dario Saric here. He's coming off a tour in ACL. I think it was that during the finals, obviously, where he had that. Yeah, we can <laughs> just look at his hands and shit. No, uh, but I think with him, he's probably going to play minimal, if not even at all this season. I think that's the primary reason why Phoenix got JaVale McGee. If he were to come back, I think he'd be third string at that point. So that's why I believe, as it stands right now, guy's gonna take a slump. And that's why I think he also might be a potential trade piece, as well as potentially Drake Crowder, in my opinion. Just because if I'm the Phoenix Suns and I were to try to upgrade my starting five, Jay Crowder's just like the odd man out there. But yeah, I think those two packaged together could fish you. Obviously, you're not gonna get like a top, top cream of the crop kind of player. However, I think you could get back a solid guy for potentially contending team. However, when I look at the Phoenix Suns, I don't know if they're really uh, gonna repeat back in the finals. Just because the whole NBA finals last year only really happened because of injuries, in my opinion. I know, I love the Milwaukee Bucks. However, I don't think they make it out that Brooklyn series if James Harden's not on one hamstring and Kyrie Irving gets hurt. I think they still go to game seven and up there it'd be much more of a to coin toss. Well, that game seven was pretty much a to coin toss anyways. Not so much in the East as it was in the West. Literally the Lakers best player got hurt, AKA Anthony Davis, as well as LeBron was 
not 100% there. So I think Phoenix really took advantage of that. And we also saw in the conference finals with the Clippers when Kawhi went down. Or did he go down in the Jazz? But either way, with the West especially, last playoffs, there were a lot of injuries. It's just that Phoenix were the most healthy team. Still think they were the best team in the West for that season. But I don't know if their luck's going to stretch so far as it did last season into this coming season. I think they're still going to be one of the top three teams in the West regardless. So... Given with that, they obviously have a chance to contend for the title. It's just a matter of, uh, shit, is Devin Booker ready to average 30 plus a game and <laughs> drop fucking back-to-back 40-point games except win them this time? Nah, uh, damn, I really, I really turn to the Suns, but that's just because, shit, man, y'all get it. This is a Bucks podcast. So, coming from this hot-ass desert, we're gonna head back to California. We got the Sacramento Kings. Before we get into it, I just gotta say, the Sacramento Kings must have some of the most resilient fans in the world because, damn, they haven't made the playoffs in like a decade and a half. But regardless, as it is right now, I consider their core to be De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell, and Harrison Barnes. If I'm looking at their starting five, I would see it as, obviously at the one, you got Swipe of the Fox, the fastest point guard in the league right now. At the two, I think they'd put Davion Mitchell there just because of his size. At the three, Tyrese Halliburton is going to have to play a lot more. Like, Obviously, this is more so like a positionless basketball lineup. However, in the realm of uh, classic basketball positioning, I guess, if that's what you'd want to call it, I think Tyrese Halliburton would slide in at the three. At the four, you got the, I think it's the, his nickname is like the Black Falcon, Harrison Barnes, NBA champion. And obviously at the five, the man who just got a nice, nice payday. Rashawn Holmes. Now, players I'm picking to pop off, De'Aaron Fox. Should have been an all-star last year, very much like a Bradley Beal effect, whereas he got no love because he was on a shitty team. I think his points per game will increase based on the fact that he'll be playing with two other guards on the floor, basically leaving him with two other playmakers. And the other guy I got popping off, Rashawn Holmes. I think he was a really nice bright spot on that team, as well as the fact that they got Tyrese Halliburton with, what, the 12th pick when he was slated as one of the top guards. But back on the topic of Rashawn Holmes, the man got paid. And I think the fact that he's not necessarily the biggest guy on the floor. I mean, he's still, what, 6'10", so obviously he's still one of the bigger guys. But in this world of the NBA having, like, 7-foot centers and all these kind of, like, really, really tall, overwhelming-sized men, pause. Rashawn Holmes, I think despite the fact that he's still in that realm of being really big like that, pause. He's one of like a nice little, he's a nice little scrappy center in my opinion. Actually, let's stop using the word little. Rashawn Holmes is a really good center and I think has the ability to maybe not necessarily be a solid top 10 center in the league. However, break into that, you know, 10 or 9 spot. And I think this season might be the one for him to just really build off on top of that. Player on Pink in a Slump. I got Tyrese Halliburton here. He was my favorite rookie last year, honestly. However, I think the fact that he's going to have to play a lot of three, he's going to be bodied by a lot of them. I think he's still going to have a solid season. I would not be surprised. I Actually, you know what? I'm calling it right now. The Sacramento Kings are definitely going to have the fastest offense in the league just based on the fact that they kind of have to play three guards. You wait. No, actually, I don't want to use the word waste. I think Davion Mitchell can be a super solid guard. I think he's the most NBA ready out of everybody in this draft class, just based on the fact that he's one of the older ones. But when I'm looking at the Sacramento Kings, they're going to kill a lot of teams with their speed and not necessarily their size. 
And with Tyrese Halliburton having to play the three against guys like LeBron James, 6'8", 250, against a guard, he's like, what, 6'5", I don't think he's even 200. Gonna be a little tough there. And the player I'm picking to get traded is kind of a cop-out as well. We got, actually not a cop-out as well, just a cop-out. Uh, I got Marvin Bagley the third here. Uh, it's already well known that he wants out. He's played solid when he's on the floor, just based on the fact that he has injury concerns. When I'm looking at him, he could be viewed as a locker room cancer, just with how the whole wanting to be traded situation happened, with like his dad even getting involved. And the only thing where I don't see him getting traded is the fact that a team would have to almost have a deal ready, being that he's in a contract year, just because there's no sense in trading for him if he's not expecting to resign. However, on the topic of Marvin Bagley's new contract, I'm just hoping he's not expecting what he expects in 2K. If any of you have ever played 2K, this motherfucker wants $15 million when he only averaged like 15 and 10. But regardless, if I were Marvin Bagley, I'd sign a one-year prove-it contract just in order to really prove that I can be healthy and I can be a solid player in this league. However, I understand if he wants to search for that long-term deal because, I mean, who doesn't? Now, when I look at the Sacramento Kings, I think this is very much a make-or-break year. Obviously, I'm not saying make or break for a championship. However, if they don't make the playoffs this year, just like I said in the take of the day, the De'Aaron Fox era, I think, is in really, really big jeopardy or just in jeopardy in general. I think with this team, if utilized properly, could definitely make the play in at least. I don't know about being that solid one to six seed. However, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the play in. Now, Heading from the nice city of Sacramento, we're gonna head back to LA. We got the Clippers up next. Now, with the Los Angeles Clippers, I think they're the team that probably surprised everyone the most, aside from maybe the Bucks winning. However, you know I was a surprise shit, baby. But <laughs> nah, for real. In my opinion, after Kawhi came or after Kawhi went down, I really didn't see them making it out of that series with the Jazz. However, I was very much proven wrong by the fact that they made one of the highest paid players, a dude who signed a $200 million contract, be fucking useless with Rudy Gobert. Now, regardless of if you cheer for the Clippers or not, man, you gotta respect that. With their core, obviously, you got one of the best defenders in the league, Kawhi Leonard. One of my favorite players, Paul George. If there was a comeback player of the year award, this guy would probably would have won it. Reggie Jackson. Really nice young guy in Terrence Mann. And two solid big men with Serge Ibaka and Avicii Zubak. If I'm projecting their starting five, I believe it would be you'd have Reggie Jackson running the one. PG running two. Terrence Mann running the three, just with Kawhi being out for now. Serge Ibaka at four and at the five. The big man, Avicii Zubak. Players I'm picking to pop off. I got two here. Terrence Mann. He's building off a crazy playoff run. He had, what, 35 points, I think, in the closeout, if not the game before the closeout game. I think Terrence Mann is one of those guys where, obviously, he didn't hit the ground running when he entered the league. However, through years of just getting used to the speed and pace of the NBA, this dude's really starting to carve out his own path. Signed a nice $22 million extension, and I think he's poised for a really good year. I say that about a lot of guys, and pretty much every guy who I say is going to pop off, but... Terrence Mann, I think, is coming in with the most confidence he's ever had for an NBA season. He was really, like, an integral part of the Clippers' run to the conference finals. And I just think, damn, they should have signed him to a longer deal. But, no, all jokes aside, Terrence Mann, definitely somebody to watch out for this year. Second guy I got, Paul George. A lot of people, especially some of my homies, have him pegged as the MVP. I don't know if I want to put him in that uh, talks yet. However, this is the first time where he's been the guy since Indiana, and we all know how Indiana went. Conference finals, 
not he wasn't the only guy in the team, but he was the only kind of guy I would consider to be part of like a big, whatever dynamic duo, super team, big three, whatever. But Paul George, I think he's still that dude. Proved a lot of his doubters wrong with his fucking nickname of Pandemic P. However, I'm not necessarily ready to put him in the MVP conversations, but I do see him having a really good season this year with him being the guy over there. Players I'm picking to slump. I got Reggie Jackson here. I think he's the one guy who has a bit of a slump after signing a new contract. I think he'll definitely be good in the playoffs, but just met in the regular season. I guess that's why they call him Mr. June. Player I'm picking to get traded. I got Luke Kernard here. I think if they were to decide to go all in, if Kawhi does end up playing this year, Luke Kennard could get them a solid player back. He has a very valuable asset in his 45% torch from the three. And in my opinion, I think Eric Bledsoe is a better fit for the team just on the fact that he can play defense. Luke Kennard is one of the worst defenders in the league. However, that kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that he can shoot the shit out the ball. When I look at the Clippers, I don't think it's necessarily like a wash for the year. I think they'll definitely be competitive in the West. However, come playoff time, if Kawhi is not there, I don't see them making it past the conference finals. Or maybe not even the conference finals at that. But there's no doubt that they'll be one of the better teams in the league. Now, that'll do it for the Pacific Division. However, let's get to ranking them. Alright, so for these rankings, I'm going to go bottom up. At the very bottom, we got the Sacramento Kings. Aside from the Lakers, I think the Kings have the most to lose this season. Obviously with the fact that if I'm De'Aaron Fox... I don't want to spend all my years barely tasting the playoffs. I think the main thing is just to utilize their strengths. They went from one of the fastest teams, so I don't think it was necessarily the slower teams, but as soon as David Yeager got replaced with fucking Luke Walton's bum ass, it ain't been right since. Moving from there, at number four, I got the Clippers. Just based on the fact that Kawhi's out, I think if they're healthy, everything's all good, they're definitely maybe number two here. Yeah, just based on what I'm looking at the roster right now, come opening night, I have the Clippers slated here. At the three, because of that, I got the Phoenix. Now, for Phoenix, if I'm them, I think this is very much not a championship or bust year, but a finals or bust. And by bust, I just mean the fact that, man, I'm going to have to fucking pay DeAndre Aiden a max contract. And Macau Bridges, I don't think he's going to get a max contract, but he's going to get some money. And with that, you want to get the most out of your players when they're cheapest contract-wise. And this is their last year to really do that. So with that, that means you can pretty much dictate the rankings. At number two, I got Golden State. I really think people aren't giving Golden State their fair shake. Curry low-key could have been an MVP last year, just they didn't make the playoffs. Draymond Green is one of the best big men in this league defensively and in terms of facilitating the offense. I think even though Klay Thompson's definitely not going to come back 100%, his game doesn't really need him to be at 100% essentially because what does this dude do? Catch and shoot and play defense. The defense might be take a little bit to get back up to speed. However, we've seen time and time again that, you know, athleticism goes, but shooting, that shit stays forever. Well, maybe not forever, but for a long time. When I'm looking at these teams in the Pacific Division, I think Golden State definitely improved the most out of them. So much more length and so much more shooting. You know, not Avicii Zuba. Nemanja Bielitsa, Otto Porter Jr., and Jordan Poole is really starting to come into his own here. Whew! Golden State is going to be trouble this year. So obviously at the number one spot, we got the Lakers. Hard to really uh, argue for another team to be this position. However... This is very much championship or bust, just with the fact, again, that this is the oldest team in the league. So this might be some of these guys' last ride, so they're definitely going to be playing with 
a sense of urgency that I don't think many teams, if not any other team, is really going to be playing with, except maybe Brooklyn. With that, that's going to do it for this issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. This was They Got Next, Volume 5, The Pacific Division. Now, if y'all haven't already, and you probably haven't because I haven't really talked about it, I started a YouTube channel for this podcast. If you just search up Bucks and Six, but with a six instead of an S for the six, probably going to find it there. So if you haven't already, go ahead and look that up. Subscribe if you want. Doesn't really matter to me, but it would be nice. Regardless, hope you guys have a good weekend. Keep your eyes peeled for Saturday. And remember, there aren't a lot of guarantees in life. But the things you can bank on are death, taxes, and bucks and six. Have a good one. Six always. That's that's for the coach.